Hello, Darren Alf here from BicycleTrainPro.com. Today I have something special for you because I was recently interviewed on another podcast called Tell Me About Your Bike. If you haven't already subscribed to the Tell Me About Your Bike podcast, I highly recommend you go and do that now. Uh, very, very interesting podcast. In my interview on the Tell Me About Your Bike podcast, I had the opportunity to share the story of my very first bicycle, the bike that I rode from Oregon to Mexico down the California coastline on my first bike tour. And it was also the same bike that I rode across America from east to west the following year. Now, I think you're going to be surprised if you listen to my interview what kind of bike I was riding and what sort of condition it was in. It's kind of incredible that I was actually able to ride as far as I did on my first two bike tours. So, today, here is a rebroadcast of my interview on the Tell Me About Your Bike podcast. I am, of course, riding much better bicycles now that I have been riding my bike around the world for the last 20 years. I'm currently riding a Comotion Siskiyou touring bicycle that has a pinion gearbox and a Gates carbon drive system. It's a very high-end bicycle. But the bike that I started out with 20 years ago was a complete piece of junk, but I loved it. And it did successfully get me to where I was going. So, once again, here I am, Darren Alf, the Bicycle Touring Pro. This is my interview on the Tell Me About Your Bike podcast. Welcome to Tell Me About Your Bike, the podcast about the meaning of life, the universe, and bicycling. I'm your host, Wesley Cheney, and in this episode, I interview Darren Alf of BicycleTouringPro.com. So, Darren, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for being with us today. So, I'm talking to you from Norfolk, Virginia, where it's a balmy 65 degrees, and the pollen is starting to fall right now. There's a, a yellow sheen of dust over the top of my car right now whenever I walk outside with all the pollen in the air. So where are you, Darren? I am in Southern California right now in the city of Camarillo, which is where I grew up and my parents still live. Um, and yeah, it's normally a perfect 70 degrees here every single day of the year, but today it's a little overcast and looks like it could rain. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How long has it been since you've seen any rain? Uh, yesterday. So, yeah, oh, okay. so it's been raining the last couple of days, which is just surprising. I mean, we, we don't get a lot, so it's... I like it, but everyone here kind of goes crazy. They think it's the end of the world, and it's really just like a, sprink <laughs> a sprinkle, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I bet that makes everything suddenly turn green, and, and uh, when you're riding, things look a little different than they usually do. Oh, yeah, the hills turn green. Normally, they're kind of brown. Yeah, so I like it. There's, I'm not complaining. That's cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, we're in a much wetter climate. We're uh, on the edge of the Chesapeake Bay, and so everything is just perpetually wet. We live in this big, flat tidewater swamp, so uh, um, it's it's continuously wet here. It's it For us, for the grass to turn brown is nah, pretty rare. It doesn't happen that much, maybe a couple times in the summer, but uh, normally we see a lot of precipitation, a lot of rain. So um, it makes for... Uh, we've got about... No, 50, 51 good weeks of riding every year around here because 
Most of the time, it never gets cold enough that you have to worry about snow getting on the ground. It's only in the summer when it starts to get a, get brutally hot, where it's like 100 degrees and 100% humidity, and you just don't even want to step outside, let alone get on your bike, that it starts to become a problem. So Yeah, yeah. Did you, have, grow, did you grow say, up riding? Yeah, yeah. well, uh, to school and back, maybe, or something like that, you know. But no, not really. Um, I, I only started cycling once I graduated from high school. That's, that's really the point when I got into cycling. Um, and what was your first big trip on, uh, on, a, on a bike when you were around high school age? Yeah, well, I, I was 17 when I graduated from high school, and uh, I had a friend that I played soccer with, and he, we were just talking, we were playing foosball one day, and we were uh-huh. talking, and, and he was like, what are you going to do after you graduate from high school? And I was like, I don't know. I just, I, I knew I was going off to college, university, and I was mm-hmm. like, I, I'd like to do something kind of big and exciting and different during the summer before I go off to university and just you know, get serious about looking for a job and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so at, in, in high school, I was really into running. I was on the soccer team and I was, I was the first person from my high school to run four years of varsity track. So people knew me as like a runner and, and this friend that I was playing foosball with said, you should run across America like Forrest Gump. That would be cool. You know, and and he said it as a joke, you know, but I got thinking about it and I was like, yeah, that would be kind of cool. Um, and so I was like, well, I don't know if I have time during summer to run all the way across America. That would take me a, a, more than a couple months, you know. Right. And and so I thought, well, maybe I could run from Oregon to Mexico down the California coastline. Maybe I yeah. could do that. Do that. And and so I started training for this, um, and I did like a three-day test run from Santa Barbara, California, back to my parents' home in Camarillo. It's about 75 miles total uh-huh. over, over the course of three days. So I ran like a marathon pretty much every, every, every day, day. For, for three days straight. And at the end of the three days, I like could not walk. I could not sit down on my butt. Um, I was in so much pain, you know, and I just, and I was thinking, there's no way I can do this. You know, it's, I, I, there are people that do long runs like that, but, but for me at 17, just going, uh, I don't know, (laughs) you know, it takes a lot out of you. Yeah. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out also, you know, I have no money to my name, basically like 300 bucks to my whole name. Um, and I was trying to figure out how do I carry like the food and the water and all the supplies and stuff right. that I'm going to need if I'm going to be running, you know? And so it was at this time that my aunt and uncle, who are kind of like outdoorsy people in general that are into rock climbing and all kinds of stuff, but they had just gone to Ireland and they had done like a month long bicycle tour around uh-huh. Ireland. And so they came back and heard about my plans to run from Oregon to Mexico and and how I had failed basically on this three day test run, right? And, and it was my uncle and that said, "Why don't you ride your bike instead of run? Because on a bike you can cover much longer distances, you know, fifty to a hundred miles or something in a single yeah, day. Yeah, and versus running where you can only do fifteen to thirty or something, and um, and you can carry all the things that you need for your trip on the bicycle, so you don't have to worry about like paying someone to come in a car and follow you and carry all your things so that's so that's actually the story of how i got into cycling is i wanted to run from oregon to mexico but in the end i rode my bike 
Well, and dude, that's it. So how long did it take you going from Oregon to Mexico? It took 30 days. Um, I mean, I could have, I'm sure I could have done it faster, but I took yeah, a few, a but, few days, like I stopped in San Francisco for a day or two and, you know, I'd never seen the city before and stuff like that. I stopped a couple other places. Um, that sounds beautiful, man. But yeah, it was great. And I had, um, I was 17 and my parents didn't want me to do this trip alone. Mm-hmm. So they're like, they, part of the deal was like, I could do this trip, but I had to get somebody to go with me. So I recruited three of my like best friends from high school to join me for different legs of the trip. So I had three different that people on three different legs of the trip. Yeah. Come along with me, but I was the only person to cycle the entire length of the state. And Dude, that sounds sweet. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was, you know, one of those things that like at the time, I thought, like, this is going to be the most epic thing that I do in my entire life, and I'm going to go off to university and get a job, and I'll look back on this as, like, one of the greatest things I do, you know, have ever done. Um, right. And I still kind of look back on it like that, in a way, you know. Um, but, but yeah, what happened was I, I completed that first bike ride down the California coastline, got to the Mexican border, and uh, my aunt and uncle came to pick me up uh, at the border so that I didn't have to bike all the way back home. Right. And my my aunt and my uncle have this like Volkswagen or I think it's a Westfalia van or something. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, um, and Volkswagen it has, Westfalia. Yeah, yeah. It has the it has a bike rack on the front of the van. And, okay. And so I put my bike on the front of the van, and my aunt was driving, and she was approaching this intersection pretty quickly and it was one of these uh, lights where like the light turned red and you aren't sure Mm -hmm. if you should slam on the brakes really hard and stop or just keep going you know what i mean right and so yeah yeah. i am i am with you yeah so she decided to just keep going but there was like a dip before the intersection and Mm -hmm. so she she went really fast into this dip and the she forgot about the fact that the the bike was hanging off the front of the van and so she oh, went no. into the dip oh, no. the bike hit the ground it got ripped off of the uh front of the van she drove over the bike it was in a million pieces <laughs> in the middle of the intersection oh. and that is how i completed my very first bike tour like <laughs> literally 10 10 minutes after completing this trip and i'm on a i'm on a really big high like Whoa! I just biked the whole lake of California. <laughs> and then my bike is in a hundred pieces in the middle of this intersection. You know, <laughs> I was like, I was seriously like devastated. Yeah. I, I would be too. I, I, especially after spending all that time on it and then, Oh my gosh, it's all crushed. Yeah. Were your, were your panniers on it too? Or, or did no did, I, good? No, good. but, so but you, only you lost know, like the bike. Yeah. The wheels were all, like turned sideways and broken the you know the spokes were all torn apart the the frame was bent like it it was totaled totaled right and the funny thing is um i i so after that i started university and i did a full you know year at university and the whole time I was sitting in class thinking about my bike trip and just thinking, man, that was an epic experience. <laughs> and and while my while my uh, friends were thinking about like getting summer jobs and internships, I was thinking, man, maybe I should go on another bike trip this summer when I'm not yeah. at school, you know. And so then that's when I really started thinking about biking across America the entire length. 
And so I set right. my, my goal to bike across America from east to west. And again, I still had like $300 to my name. So I was like trying to figure out how I'm going to do this. And now I have no bike. Right. And I, and I hadn't been riding a bike at all because the one bike I had was literally bent at like a 20 degree angle. So um, what happened was I, I really didn't have any money to buy a new bicycle. My parents have like really never given me a single dollar to help me with any of my bike trips, but they've given me a lot of support. But um, right. they, they weren't about to buy me a new bicycle. And, right. and, and so I ended up just taking a hammer to my bicycle frame and straightening it out as best as I could. Um, that's daring slapping some new wheel. I spent the money to get new wheels and I just, I just basically straightened the bike out as much as I could. And that's the bike that I rode across America on my second bike trip. Um, wow. Yeah. And what kind it, of bike was it? It was a specialized Sierra, a Schwinn, Schwinn. Yeah. Schwinn, Sierra Schwinn. Okay. Yeah. I think. Yeah, and it was it was like an old bike from the 80s or something, like a mountain bike basically. It wasn't a touring bicycle right. in any way. Um and it was like my dad's old bicycle really that he had had for years in the garage and I just kind of mm -hmm. took it over because he wasn't riding it. So, that that really was like I had a couple bikes before that, like I had a BMX bike growing up and I had this like mm -hmm. giant like a cheap aluminum giant bike that my parents had given me for Christmas one year when I was like really little, mm -hmm. you know, like 12 or something. Um, mm -hmm. but, but that, that bike was really what I consider to be my first bicycle, even though it was like my dad's and stuff. And it was my first bike just because I had so many experiences on it, you know, riding it down the California coastline and then riding it across yeah. America. Um, so I really felt the connection to that bicycle, whereas the bikes I had before that were like gifts from my parents when I was really small. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, but, so what, what what happened to that uh, specialized or uh, Schwinn Sierra? <laughs> well, I kept it for years and years because after that second bike tour of going across America on that, like I realized that this bike can never be ridden again in this way like right. it was it was just so hard uh the bike squeaked and you know i was probably putting out twice as much effort as any other cyclist out there just because of the condition that the bike was in um, right and so i kept the bike for years and years and then finally i was going off on some other trip and i uh, my neighbor at the time had like just broken up with his girlfriend and and he was going through some financial troubles and stuff and and he like needed a vehicle to get around town and i, I gave him the bicycle basically i said oh cool this, this is like you know i said this is a great bike for getting around town his he worked like t two miles away from his home so i was like this will get you there and back like no problem you know um right so i gave him the bike and i showed him everything on how to you know maintain it and all that kind of stuff and literally, like a week later, he told me that he left the bike outside and it got stolen. <laughs> oh, no. So that that's what happened to that bike. I don't know. It's probably in a dump somewhere. But yeah. Well, yeah. it sounds like it got a lot of love. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a way, like it's one of those things. It's like I, I kind of still wish I had it because I, you know, there's I, just those special feelings. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things too. You gotta you gotta let it go at some point because I, I like I said, it was a piece of junk. It had been run over by a van. Um, right. <laughs> so um, yeah, I got some new bikes now. They're they're much better. <laughs> so what was i mean you you did this big uh this first big trip um and then rode across you know you went california to mexico and then the next summer you did the united states so what was your third summer looking like the third summer i rode from north carolina to maine up the east coast of the united states the year after that i rode from chicago down to new orleans uh, kind okay. of follow, kind of following the Mississippi River a little bit. Okay. A year year after that, where did I go? I'm starting to blank now. I, I started in Washington, went up into Van, like Canada, British Columbia, Canada, and then came yeah. back and then came back down the coast through Washington and Oregon. So I basically like completed the whole, you know, west coast of the United States at that point. If you combined it with my first trip down the California right, coastline. Right. Um, yeah, a year after that, I rode through like Utah, Wyoming, Idaho, up in that part of the country for some long trips there. And then after that, I started traveling internationally. Um, I had been, I had been thinking about doing international trips for quite a while, but I don't know, like, you know, I was in university all that time, like all those U.S. trips, I was basically in university or had just graduated from university. And then, yeah, a year after I graduated from university, uh, I I, I worked as a sound mixer in Hollywood for like a year. Okay. And um, I hated it. (laughs) I I hated it so much. Um, It was really cool, though, because you got to work on like in really interesting places. Like every day I'd be in a new place and, Mm -hmm. and working with new people, like sometimes with celebrities and stuff, which was really cool. Um, but it was just like long hours, very competitive, very high pressure. Um, you're in very Mm. tight, tight quarters with a whole bunch of people. And I'm not like a really big people person in general. So like Mm -hmm. being slammed in one tiny little room with 30 people all at a time and like having to negotiate, not only the physical space, but like the political space <laughs> of all of right. that was not like my ideal world. And I was just thinking, if I do this for the next 30 years, I'm going to go crazy. Um, right. I, you know, I don't know if I can do it. Um, but like I said, there were aspects I liked and certain aspects I didn't. So one, one, uh, one weekend or whatever, I, I had a week mm-hmm. off from work. And I was at the time I, 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 in school, I studied business and filmmaking. And so I, I was reading a lot of like business books. And one of the things they talk about in a lot of these business books is passive income and investing and stuff like that. And I, and, and so I had read about like buying homes and renting them out as an income source. Yeah. So I, all through university, I'd worked two jobs, and I was like trying to save up as much money as I possibly could. And I had a small little nest egg that I had built up, and I thought uh-huh. maybe, maybe I could buy a house 
but not live in it and just rent it out and make some passive income. So I had yeah. this week off of work and I drove up to Utah, Utah, because there were homes up there that I could possibly afford. In California, there was absolutely nothing. Right. So I drove to Utah, looked at a few homes that I thought I might be able to buy. And then uh, before I left town, I decided to go up to this town called Park City, Utah. It's like a ski resort town. Yeah. And... Um, I pulled into town. I was literally in there for like five minutes. I I got halfway into town, didn't even make it to Main Street. And I was like, forget the rental property. I am moving to this town. This place is awesome. <laughs> and, and so I went into a realtor's office. I, and at the time, I was 22 years old, and I had bleach blonde hair like a member of NSYNC or something like that. Right. And and I went in there and I said, yeah, show me the cheapest property you got, <laughs> basically. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, is there anything I can afford? And she showed me like three little condos. And and then I drove home. And, and on the way home, I was like, oh, my gosh, like that town was so cool. And it, it's really cool because there's um, three ski resorts in town. There's yeah. three, 300 miles of single track bicycle trails in town wow not not counting what's around town um the mountain the mountains are like literally in your back you know out your back door and i was just (laughs) thinking you know i'm living in california and i'm working in hollywood there aren't mountains you have to drive for two or three hours just to get to the mountains same Um, here yeah you know yeah and and then in park city i was like i could literally bike out my front door and be in the mountains in two minutes so, um, yeah, I got home and I, and I told my parents, I'm buying this condo in Utah. I have no, I have no job there. I have no plan, but I'm going to buy this condo. I'm going to move there and I'm going to start my life all over again. And so that's what I did. And I bought a little one bedroom, one bath condo in Utah. Honestly, didn't have enough money. It wasn't making enough money at the time to pay for it. Um, and I, I went there not knowing how I was going to pay for this thing, but I was determined that like I was going to do this. And now I don't know how many years late, 14 years later. Um, yeah, it, it's been like one of the best decisions of my whole life moving to park city, Utah. Um, I just love it there. The investments turned out well for me. I actually just paid off my condo just like two months Congrats, ago, man. Yeah. So, um, Anyways, but the 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 place. So how did that lead a, you to, uh, to 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 doing bicycle touring pro? How, how did well, how yeah, did, yeah. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is um, I went there with no job or anything, and and I didn't really know how I was gonna pay for this place. And all throughout university, when I was biking across America, I kept telling my friends like. Like, you know, when you're in university, you talk about jobs and what you're going to do after university. And and I kept telling my friends, like, I wish I could just get paid to ride my bike and travel the world. That's that's what I wish I could do. And and everyone was like, yeah, good luck with that, buddy. Um, (laughs) You know, but um, when I moved to Utah, I had nothing. So I was like, hmm, maybe this would be the time to start that project, you know, to start working on, on that. And so that's when I started my website, BicycleTouringPro.com. I started writing articles. This was kind of at the beginning of like blogging. So I was like really like the first person blogging about bicycle touring. And, and that was what, about 15 years ago? 
yeah, I don't even, yeah, something like that. I'm 14, yeah, something like that. And, um, yeah, so I started, and it, it's, I got a, quite a few readers, like, right at the beginning, you know? And, and mm-hmm. it, I've basically just been working on it now for the last, yeah, 14 years, 13 years, something like that. So, and I've not only, I've written 1,200 articles about bicycle touring, I've created about 700 videos on my Bicycle Touring Pro YouTube channel, I've got a Bicycle Touring Pro podcast, I've written four books about cycling, I've worked with like dozens of country, co- companies all around the world in like over 70 mm-hmm. different countries. So, yeah, um, and I've, yeah, biked across the world several times. So, um, yeah, um, it's, I, and I now make a full-time living traveling the world on my bicycle. Yeah. That is pretty darn cool, man. Congratulations. That, that's living the life for sure. Yeah. But it, but it really was like that leap from California to Utah and like taking this major risk of like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to do something super scary. Yeah. And that's what's that was like the catalyst, you know, for everything else. If I hadn't done that, I probably would I'd still be working in Hollywood or something, you know. But Dude, that is so cool to hear. So Park City, Utah and Bicycle Touring Pro now. So when did the podcast get started? Not till recently. I mean, really after podcasting became popular and I I li- started listening to podcasts a few years ago when I was on my bike tours just sitting in my tent or whatever. It's such a great thing you know, to have with you, especially when you're traveling alone to have like another voice in your head, um, Mm -hmm. is very nice. So, uh, yeah. And I, and then I just thought, well, a lot of the information that I deliver could be delivered in a podcast format as well. So I've started the podcast. There's not a huge amount of content there, but I'd like to add more in the future for sure. What's your production schedule looking like on that? How often do you try to get an episode out? Honestly, I do it whenever I can. I don't have like a set schedule or anything. So gotcha. Yeah, it, because my my life as the bicycle train pro is so chaotic that like I, I I tried in the past to keep a schedule, but it's it can be really difficult because I'm sometimes on the road for two months at a time, like on my bicycle. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's you can't when you're doing that you can't work very well <laughs> at the same time. Like I could keep up with emails a little bit or something but producing right. a podcast and videos and emails and there's a lot to it um so yeah i post whenever i can yeah and w- what's your i'm my my listeners probably haven't had a chance to listen to bicycletouringpro.com but in a typical episode what would you hear on your show Oh, gosh. Uh, information about like how to find good riding partners or uh, how to stay safe when you're camping or, yeah, like I talk a lot about wild camping, which is just like camping in the forest where mm-hmm. you know, outside of a campground. Um, I don't know. Things like that. You know, lessons, lessons learned from bike trips. I try to interview other bicycle tourists and things like that that I run across out on the road. So, yeah, that's that's kind of the stuff. But the overall goal, I think, is to help other people plan, prepare for and execute their own bicycle tours. That's basically my big goal with my my whole business is to help other people with their own bike trips. Um, so that they can have the skills and knowledge to go out on their own and conduct their own bike tours, whether that be like a short bike tour near their home, like even Mm -hmm. like a short overnight bike tour, or a bike tour that takes you across an entire country or around the world. 
So, yeah. That sounds sweet, dude. I, I, um, I had a similar um, um, bike tour experience when I was in college. I, I decided that I wanted to ride from uh, London to Rome on my bike. Uh. And and so I had had just enough money that I could afford to do that. And I spent um, five months, yeah, five months riding from London to Rome and then back to London. And I wow. was riding on a, um, a, I think it was a specialized rock hopper. Um, and it, and it was not, it was a rigid mountain bike that was not made for touring. Um, but, um, I had, I had set it up for touring, had full panniers on it in my tent and my sleeping bag and had a fantastic, um, experience. And it just, you know, was, was doing a lot of wild camping along the way. There'd be sometimes when I'd be, uh, staying in hostels, sometimes I'd be in campgrounds, um, but uh, sometimes just camping in the woods wherever I could find a space on the on the side of the road at night. Um, but had a had a an amazing experience doing that. And so um, as I've had a couple of kids, my in fact my my kids are I'm going to be celebrating their birthday. They're uh, the two of them are turning uh, 14 and nine years old uh, this weekend. And so with kids, it's been a little bit different. I haven't had as much t- opportunity to uh, to go out and do bike touring nearly as much as I used to, but I still get out and um, I ride just about every single day. I, um, um, I've, I've got a, a number of small jobs. And so one of them is I work at Jimmy John's as one of their couriers. Uh, so I get to ride my bike for, during the the uh, lunch uh, rush from eleven thirty to one thirty, I ride my bike five days a week for Jimmy John's delivering sandwiches and, and get to play on my bike in the city and 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 uh, you know people will be like, dude, that was freaky fast. I'm like, well, thank you very much. So <laughs> you know, it's 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 my way of getting out on my bike, even if I'm not doing these big tours. I'm still making my uh, you know most of my money off of my biking. So it's been a it's been a fun process for me. That's cool. So, yeah, why, man. Why did you choose London to Rome? Like, why did you pick that route? Um, I really wanted to get over to Europe and see some stuff that was over there. And I had decided that, um, you know, I was, let's see, was I 19 when I did it, I think? It was after my freshman year. I took a semester... Uh, my my sophomore spring semester, I I um, instead of going to school at, uh, at college, I I went on the road for five months, um, and I had to, uh, the the tickets were really cheap to get to London, um, and then Rome just kind of seemed like a you know an, an obvious destination. Um, so I went down through from London. I went to Paris, um, and then from Paris down to uh, Lyon and um, Marseille. And uh, or did I get to Marseille the first time? I didn't. I got to Nice. I went to Nice, um, and then um, took the coast um, down through um, uh, uh, Pisa and I think Verona. Um, definitely in Florence, um, and then down into Rome and then took the train back to London and worked for a couple of weeks as a bike messenger in London. Um, huh. it, was just, <laughs> it was a really crazy time for me. Um, but had a, had a blast riding around London, uh, delivering packages, um, um, on my, uh, on my touring bike stripped of its panniers. Um, but, uh, it was, it was, it was, it, and it was the, the hardest part I can remember was coming back to the States 
Um, and each time that I, well, each time I went to the UK, cause I, I, I flew there and then started riding in the UK and then I went to continental Europe and then I came back again. And each time that the, the traffic would switch on the side of the road and I'd have to switch from riding on the right side to the left side and then back again, yeah. I would have these moments of panic where I would be riding my bike afterwards. And even like, you know, even four months after I had, I had gotten back from, uh, from riding in London, I would still be riding my bike and I would get this momentary panic that I was on the wrong side of the road. Oh, I, I can relate to that. Yeah. Cause I've, I've cycled in so many countries where you ride on the left and it's freaky. You see a car, yeah. coming, you see a car coming at you in. Yeah. Like you said, even if you've been there for months, you see a car coming at you and you're like, Oh my God, there's a baby driving that car or right, there's, a, right. there's a dog by, driving that car. Or there's nobody driving that car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's and then you realize you're on the wrong side of the road. I would I would yeah. usually get it where it would be like be like this 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 and it would it would it would haunt me in my dreams afterwards where I would be dreaming that I was riding my bike and I'd suddenly realized I was on the wrong side of the road. It <laughs> yeah. was like it was like it was like that same panic fear of of dreaming that you were showing up to school naked. I would, you know, it would be the same thing where I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, I'm on the wrong side of the road and I'm naked." So <laughs> Those those are that was in my nightmares for for some for some time afterwards. Uh, but with that, but um, no, it was it was some good times riding. Um, and so, what is the um, how has the the gravel scene changed with touring? How has that had an impact on on uh, people's interest in in uh, doing self supported touring? Yeah, well. I don't know if like gravel in general has changed it so much, but just the bike, you know, bike packing, that word bike packing has changed, has changed the bicycle touring scene in so many ways because bike packing really is just another form of bicycle touring. It's like, it's like a subtype, I guess, or something Um, where, you know, bicycle touring is just the act of riding your bicycle for days, weeks, months on end as you travel long distances on your bicycle. And then there's a whole bunch of different like subtypes under that, Um, like credit card touring or something where you travel with just the clothes on your back and a credit card to buy things along the way. And instead of like camping, you stay in hotels. Um, And so like, that's a subtype of the overall bicycle touring experience and bikepacking might be one of those subtypes where it's like a type of touring underneath. Um, But bikepacking is generally like an off-road cycling experience and you generally carry your things in a set of like bike packing bags uh like mm-hmm. a seat pack frame pack handlebar bag etc instead of like panniers or a trailer um and so when people say bike packing that's generally what they're referring to but oftentimes now you'll hear people say I'm going bike packing, but they're really going bicycle touring. You know, they're going on right. a, road, a road-based bike tour, but they call it bike packing because that that word has become so popular. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think the main shift that I have seen recently is just people are sick of driving in traffic and next to cars, and I think yeah. that's a big part of why the gravel scene. Um, the bike packing scene has become so popular in recent years is because people want to get away from all the cars um, yeah. and they want to be on roads where they don't have to deal with all that. And, and I understand it. I mean, I've cycled around the world and I'm getting sick of it too. You know, I, there are certain places in the world I just don't want to go to anymore because I don't want to deal with the traffic. 
Right, right. You know? So, um, but yeah, um, I, I still think though that a lot of the people who do like road-based bicycle tours are generally older, you know, and, and people that are doing bikepacking are a lot younger. And I think, hmm. um, I think that's partially just because bikepacking, especially if you're going on single track trails and that kind of thing is so much more technical and the opportunity mm -hmm. to hurt yourself is so much higher, you know, and a lot of, if you're older, you don't want to break a bone, you know, tripping over yeah. a tree root or something like that. So they're sticking to smooth paved roads or gravel forest roads or something like that. But they, but as far as the technical stuff, I don't see a lot of my older readers doing that no. kind of thing. No, probably not. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Darren, talking with us. Do you want to plug your, uh, uh, your, your website and your podcast? Tell us, tell folks where they can hear it. Sure, yeah. Um, my website is BicycleTouringPro.com. That's kind of the headquarters for everything that I do. Uh, like I said, I've got thousands of articles there, free articles about how to conduct bike tours anywhere in the world. Um, I've written a book called The Bicycle Touring Blueprint, which uh -huh. is a 400-page guide that teaches you how to conduct your own bicycle tours. And my YouTube channel, Bicycle Touring Pro, and my podcast, which is also called Bicycle Touring Pro. So all of that is out there. And, um, yeah, it would be great if you checked it out. Definitely will. All right. Thanks. To, well, thanks again, Darren, for coming on to the Tell Me About Your Bike podcast. And we'll chat with you again soon. Thank you so much. All right. Talk to you later, man. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.